Hey. What's up, guys? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Music Maniacs with Sight After Dark. Hey. It's us, your favorite music maniacs, Sight After Dark. <laughs> if you don't know, we're a band out of Brooklyn, New York, and we love music, and we mm-hmm. love talking about music, so that's why we started this podcast to talk about music, yep. musicians, uh-huh. songs, Ooh. genres, hey. groups, Ooh. producers, uh-huh. other things yeah. involved with music. <laughs> And today we have a great episode mm-hmm. for you guys and gals. <laughs> we today we're talking about the first all-female group mm-hmm. to have a number one album. Yes. In America. Yes. The first all-female group to have a number one single in the UK. Yep. And is still the best-selling all-female group of all time. All time. Take notes. Yep. Destiny's Child. <laughs> okay. If, if you don't know who we're talking about by now, we are talking about the Supremes. Yeah. All right. So here we are talking about the Supremes. Man, oh man. And I did not realize before we started doing the research on this how deep their story goes. They've got so much history. Yeah. I knew the general outline, mm-hmm. but as we I started looking into it, I'm like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is the odds of all these things happening and lining up to be like this? I know it's, it's crazy, totally insane. I didn't know that they um, invented like combustible energy. I didn't know that they <laughs> invented the gasoline engine. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy in nuclear fission. I'm like, what? Um, so we got to go back mm-hmm. to 1958. Yeah, to a city called Detroit. The D. Also known as Detroit. <laughs> we have two ladies, two girls actually, because they were only like 13, 14 yeah, years old. Yeah, these are literal children in school with a vision. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, two two girls named Florence Ballard right. and Mary Wilson. Yes, they were friends in school. I believe they met at a talent show of some kind. Yeah, they met at a talent show. They were young singers. Um, Flo was pretty much the singer more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And like people knew her from that and Mary became friends with her. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So they were both singers and they were kind of drew were drawn to each other because yeah. they were singing and they were very talented at singing. Hey, you're good at singing. Oh, thanks, you too. Oh, you want to be friends? Too. Yeah, I want to be friends <laughs> with you too. Where you live? I live in the deep project. Me too, girl. Oh yeah, they lived in the same projects. Uh, yeah. So it's not like they were very far from each other right which makes it good it makes it easy to start a band yep. if you live you know down the hall mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, or in the same borough yeah yeah <laughs> who knows you never know what's gonna happen <laughs> and that's the great thing about music <laughs> so anyway so the two of them they met a male duo yeah by the name of paul williams and eddie kendrick yes and they were known as the prams they were known as the Primes at the time. Right. Um, the Primes would eventually become a different group Yeah. called the Temptations. Yes. If you've ever heard of them. You may have heard of them. They the, may have had one or two good songs. Yeah, they're like so-so singers from Detroit. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like okay. the bottom of the barrel. Uh-huh, uh-huh. When you think of like really good R&B singing, they're at like the bottom. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. So they were in a group called the Primes at the time. Mm-hmm. And their manager, I don't remember his name, like Melvin something, I think. Yes. Yes. He saw Flo and Mary Mm -hmm. and was like, this is an opportunity to create like a a sister group to the Primes who they were already managing. And they thought that would be like a good gimmick. Yeah, because groups were doing that already. Mm -hmm. So they were like, let's just catch the wave and do it too. 
Right. So they started to go by the name the Primates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very original. Creativity, creativity is, is what we're going to call it. Creativity is the key. Mm-hmm. Okay, kids? Don't forget. So yeah, so they started out as the Primates. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to get them known, though. Even though we're joking and stuff like that, everybody knows who the Primes are. I mean, these guys have like top tier voices and stuff. So, right. you know, th- they know them. And if you call a group the Primates, you're going to automatically assume that they have something to do with the Primes and that they're good. Right, right. Too. And it is, it, yeah, it is a cool like synergistic thing of like they're kind of able to build each other up Mm -hmm. in that way because it's like oh the primes are good well if the primates are good then the primes must be good and Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like cross pollination or whatever yeah we're gonna have a group called the side after darkies (laughs) (laughs) coming soon so pretty soon the primates added some more members Mm -hmm. um the first was paul's girlfriend at the time yes betty mcglown yeah mcglown Mm mm-hmm and then there was another person yeah. that was added to the group that was also in the same products as mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a young lass by the name of Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. Diane at the time. Because <laughs> her mom named her Diane, mm-hmm. but on the birth certificate, they wrote Diana. <laughs> so I think it's still interesting. When you see interviews like of the people that knew her from back in the day in Detroit, they still call her Diane. So so now the group's getting bigger, um, and they're playing uh, sock hops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Singing songs like Frankie Lyman songs and Ray Charles. So you know that's a good time. Exactly. Yeah. And But this is the thing that was really interesting, is that they started to build their initial following because they were actually singing. Mm-hmm. And apparently at the time, most of these groups weren't really singing. They were lip syncing. Right. Which was kind of surprising to me. Yeah. I thought back in the day, it was all about like, do you have the voice or do you not have the voice? You baby boomers talk a lot of trash we're seeing. (laughs) And I'm literally like, I'm like, how does that even work? They just like put a record on the record player and then they're just up up on the stage like. (laughs) Like I could do. It's like, um, oh, it's like watching the drag queens. Yeah. yeah right they get all they get dressed up and glammed up the exact same as the supremes do with the gowns and the big wigs right and the right. huge jewelry total femme femme it's, hyper it's also kind of like uh like top of the pops because mm-hmm. they weren't they were lip syncing they weren't yeah they weren't really singing yeah they weren't really singing okay we're getting off topic but <laughs> yeah, yeah okay so they started to they started to get a little bit of a name for themselves yeah um so this is where it starts to get crazy to me that like these coincidences are happening mm-hmm so Diane, Diana, we'll, I'm, I'm just going to switch in between the two yeah, <laughs> during not? the podcast. You know who we're talking about. You guys know who we're talking about. She's done a few things. <laughs> um, she had a neighbor, mm-hmm. a silk-voiced man mm-hmm. by the name of Smokey Robinson. Mm-hmm. I call him Bill. Just me. <laughs> Bill Robinson. <laughs> and we, I mean, we could do a whole episode on him we could do a whole episode on the record label that we're about to talk about there's just so many stories involved with this that are all just kind of coming together yeah so Smokey and diane Mm -hmm. were neighbors we're neighbors yeah Smokey was involved with this at the time kind of upstart record label right by the name of Motown Records. Yes, headed by a man named Barry Gordy Barry Gordy (laughs) you may junior (laughs) junior Okay. Get okay. it. Don't get it twisted. Okay. <laughs> um, and if you don't know, it was called Motown because at the time they used to make cars in Detroit. Yes. So it was the Motor City. Exactly. It's Motown Records. It all right makes sense. Right here in America. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> so anyway, um, Smokey was already involved with Motown. Yeah. And Diane already knew him from yeah. you know they were neighbors, like we said. Yeah. And she was kind of like, hey, hey, Smokey. Hey, friend. 
you want to get me an audition at this record label that you're working at exactly. or what's going on what's going yeah. on they were the primates were making a like a pretty good buzz by now mm-hmm. they had gotten a guitarist named mm-hmm. uh, marvin tarplin so that distinguished their sound from the other sound of the yes. other girls that were so they really felt like they had the chops to approach somebody to say like we want to record an album and why not your dear neighbor who seems to be on the up yeah, yeah he's a good guy yeah um and it was really funny what Smokey said. He, he they auditioned for him first before they um before he got them the audition at Motown. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "I'll get you on a I'll get you an audition." <laughs> but you see your guitarist over there? <laughs> He's going to be my guitarist now. <laughs> exactly. Smokey made him an offer they couldn't refuse. <laughs> he made an offer they couldn't refuse and he became the guitarist for Smokey's band The Miracles yes. for like 30 years after this. <laughs> when you got a good gig, you stay with that gig, all right? And Marvin is the MVP of this story, of this small story right here. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so he they sorry. So they impressed Smokey enough that he was like, "Okay, I'll mm-hmm. I'll get them an audition with Barry." Yeah. So they get to Hitsville, USA. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The Motown studio. Yep. And they sang a cappella mm-hmm. for Mr. Gordy. Mm-hmm. And he liked them. Yes, but. But this was a quote that I heard, which I just think is so funny because it just puts the whole thing into perspective. He's like, "Come back when you graduate high school." <laughs> and I'm like, "Holy shit! They were still that young when all this is happening. It's crazy how much they were already doing and like how driven they were at that young of an age." Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And he could—it's obvious from him saying that he couldn't even sell them as adults. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah, go graduate high school, gals, <laughs> and uh, get it done. Um, so they were kind of like, "Okay, well." We're still going to try and shop for a record mm-hmm. for ourselves anyway. And they ended up kind of doing that. And they, uh, Lupine Records, I read, was created for them. Yes. I heard that this Lupine record was literally created by the producer that they uh, got to make an album for them. He literally made the record label just to record them. Yeah. And that's how, like just driven that they are uh-huh. they're like hey hey you you produce you're gonna produce us now and you're gonna make a label so that just so you can put our record out uh-huh. you know what i mean like they were not taking no from an, for an answer from anybody yeah 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 when you got the talent and especially back there for for women you know there are other alternatives which are you know pretty much being a maid or you know being a secretary or maybe a nurse or a teacher mm-hmm. and those are great honorable jobs but if you want to be a singer on the stage and stuff like that nothing is going to supplement that but singing Correct. So there was a bit of a lineup change at this time. Yeah. Um, Betty was replaced by one Barbara Martin. Mm-hmm. I want to start a family. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was with the band for like less than a year. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, this is fun and all. But again, nothing's really happening. Like mm-hmm. nothing, you know, they're gaining a following, but they're not making a living off of this. And yeah. she's like, I want to start a family. So this is not going to support me and my ch- my children. And this it's not going to happen. So she left. Right. They Back became then, three people. Right. Sorry. Back then, those are like women's good years. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't want to be 30 without no baby or no husband. Okay. Yeah. So she left and she was like, all right. Y'all have fun. They were like, you know what? I think we're fine as a three piece. Mm-hmm. So they were just hanging around at Motown Records this entire time. Yeah, and this is the, the the smart part too. It's like they're hanging around and they're trying to figure out stuff to do, like around and stuff like that. Why not? You know, let's just hang around and maybe we could do some background vocals. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can do some hand claps. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. Yeah, they basically, again, they were just so driven. They're like, we know that Motown is the place. We're just going to stick around until they just, they acquiesce and they sign us. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what the plan was. And it worked. Yes. And eventually they did convince Barry to sign them mm-hmm. under one condition. Yes. At this time, the primes were already the temptations. Yeah. So them being the primates no longer really made any sense. Yeah. And that name sounded dated, too. Yeah. It was it was so 1950s, you know. This is 1961 now, okay? I can't be having any of that 1958 shit at my label. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So he gave them a list of possible names. Yeah. And I believe it was Florence yes. that chose the name The Supremes, which was not on the list. Not on the list. <laughs> and we're going to make a little business stop right here and say, Flo, this was the moment where if she had had some business knowledge, she would have trademarked this shit right now. Yeah, she should have got a nice piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it went down. No. Um, and the story of Florence is actually really, really sad. I don't know how much we'll get to it of her specifically in this, but there will be more about her as we go on, obviously. Yeah. Um, so they got signed and they start making a few singles, putting out some songs mm-hmm. just and a sorry, what were you saying? Just a couple. Just a couple, just like seven, uh-huh. something like that. And they went absolutely nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sank to the bottom. They were being come. They were being known around um, town, Motown, as mm. <laughs> the No Hit Supremes, which is wild. Yeah. It's so wild because of how quickly that is going to turn. Yeah. From the No Hit Supremes. Yeah. To what they became. Yeah, it's uh, really crazy because uh, everybody at Motown was pretty much scoring a hit. You know, they were yeah. like a top, like we say, top tier. Um, performers and to have girls that sang so well and still had the stage presence and everything that you sell when you're selling an act to not have a hit they became like a joke around and because these people were kind of all around the same age group Mm -hmm. they could make fun of each other and stuff like that so walking in the studio was probably hard for them oh look it's the no hit supremes (laughs) like fuck you guys we're trying okay (laughs) so they but they stayed the course again they were still just hanging around they're like can we clap on somebody's songs i think they clapped on like some marvin gay songs (laughs) like just Mm -hmm. they're like we're available for anything that you guys need like we're about it Marvin needs his hems um, sewn up, you know, anything to straighten his tie. Yeah. There. Um, there. So they just stuck around. They stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And eventually they teamed up with the premier Motown songwriting production group. Yes. Holland Dozier Holland. Oh, man. Which was Lamont Dozier. Yeah. And brothers Brian and Eddie Holland. Right. Right. And this is the thing about Motown. And again, we could do a whole episode on Motown, 100%. Mm-hmm. I think it would probably be one of the longest episodes that we've done, to oh, be yeah. honest. Oh, yeah. But Motown was basically like a movie studio as far as production, but for music. It yeah. was like an assembly line. It's yeah. Like, these people write the songs. These people play the songs. These people sing the songs. You dress like this. You dance like this. And you're going to have a hit. Yep. 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 Holland Dozier Holland is also known as Hits. They're hits. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who they are. Hits. Doling out hits. Yeah, exactly. HDH. Definitely Hall of Famers. And at this time, too, while they are like trying to get up on the charts and before they start writing, they each kind of get like little jobs on the sides. And yeah. this is kind of showing like the trajectory of the different members of the group, too, because like Flo, and Flo got like some babysitting gigs while she was trying to make some singing money. Mary got a job at a record store, but Diana got a job 
at Motown. She mm-hmm. wanted to work there like as a secretary. So mm-hmm. you can kind of see the mindset of the three right here, you know, and where they go later on in the group. Yes, absolutely. So the first single that they put out with the with the songwriting team was When the Love Light Shines Through His Eyes. And it did a lot better yeah. than their other songs, um, but still not, you know, a huge song. Right. And around this time, they also made the decision, the conscious decision to make Diana the lead singer. Yeah. Because up to that point, they were all kind of switching off on lead vocal duties, just depending on like you know, what the song, the feeling of a song was like, you know, some of the songs were better suited for Mary, some were better suited for Florence. Um, But at this point, there's like, Diane is a lead singer. Yeah, Motown is more selling uh, pop R&B at this time, even though you have some really rooted R&B voices, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody comes up in the church and all that stuff. You know, they were really trying to sell pop and Diana's voice was more suited for pop R&B than Mary and Flo. It's not about, at this point, it's not really about Flo being the better singer. Right. You know, it's about whose sound can market what we're trying to sell. Yeah, you know, and and you listen to Diana's voice, and it's at this at this time especially, it's just so sweet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. just and obviously the the whole production is very choreographed, but even like the way that she's singing at this time, just big smile the whole time. Yes, you know what I mean. You just seems just like such a lovely person. You just want to give her a hug. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was really what they were pushing, right? That's how you sell the pop music, okay? With that's, the smiles yeah, and the candy, all right? And you mentioned this a little bit earlier. At this point, they went first. They're purposely going for a super glamorous image Mm -hmm. like you're never gonna see them without without the heels and the makeup and the nails and the hair they're just all done up all the time and that's another part of like i said the motown you know they're 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 capturing the image as well as the music yes and it's all together adding up to the huge success that it's about to come Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the next single they put out is a song called where did our love go I've never heard this song, but I heard it was a great one. <laughs> I just it's just so funny. It's like you know, talking about some of these songs. This this song went to number 1. It yes. shot up to number 1 immediately. Like yeah. like I said, there's there's such a huge difference between the no-hit Supremes mm-hmm. and oh, your song just went number 1 in like a week. Yeah. Like it the different it's night and day between like 1961 and 1964. Yeah. Um but some of these songs, they, they put out five number one songs in a row. They ended up putting out 12 number one songs. Yes. Music is a subjective thing. It's hard to say what's really good or what's not. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that when I was growing up, I wasn't really super into pop music. And we talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I appreciated good music, obviously. But mm-hmm. I never was into, like, pop music. I was into more, like, the aggressive, like, punk rock, hip-hop, shit like that. Mm-hmm. So I never really got so into pop music. Right. But I'm listening to these songs now, and I'm just like... These are just damn near perfect songs. Yes, yeah. Just the, like, I'm thinking about where did I love go in my head right mm-hmm. now. Just by the, I'm breaking it down and the way it starts up, it just sounds like you're in an empty room in a way. Mm-hmm. And then you've got kind of like a clap stomp kind of sound. And then yeah. all of a sudden she's like, baby. And you're just like, what? Like if you have your where back you turned from? to the radio, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to turn around and look at the radio. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, not even that, just like the length of the songs, like, how long the song is, how long the intro is, how long the first chorus is between it, or how long the first verse is before it gets to the main hook, yeah. when the harmonies come in, when the bridge is. Like the whole song is like two, two and a half minutes tops, and it's just. 
from the nonstop well constructed song like yeah. it wasn't like oh it was just a, a whim kind of song like it was definitely purposely constructed the way it was exactly mm-hmm. and that's what you know they just go on a crazy run mm-hmm. um where i mean what are the songs um um baby love mm-hmm. baby love baby love stop in the name of love stop Yeah, it's just crazy because I didn't even re I knew so many of these songs. I didn't even realize all of these were were them until late lately. I'm just like, holy shit, they they did all of these songs. They're just like the Beatles, in my opinion, because we were talking about the Beatles. I don't know, sometime on a reaction video or something, and mm-hmm. I was just like, we probably heard the Beatles in the womb, like yeah. you know what I'm saying, and exactly. we probably just knew it as like two year olds before we even knew it. And I feel like it's just like that for the Supremes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, their songs were just huge, and they they suddenly became giant. They actually knocked the Beatles off the number one spot. Bye bye Paul and bye bye John. Bye John. <laughs> and they're they've suddenly become not only stars in America. Yes. But stars in the world. Uh-huh. Like I said, they were the first all female group to go number one with a song in the UK. Yeah. So this is not clear just an American thing. This is not just a Detroit thing. This is a worldwide thing. Mm-hmm. They're playing stadiums. Yeah. They're touring all over the world. And they're really spreading Motown as well because they were Motown's biggest act at the time yes yeah yeah. so Motown's growing with them too Motown's growing and the Temptations are like hey we're good we got my girl out I'm Eddie Kendricks why don't we turn this to Eddie Kendricks and the Temptations (laughs) and then me and Dan came from the future and we were like no Eddie there's no. not just one voice in the Temptations. Because it's going to be David Ruffin, not <laughs> Sorry, it's going to be David Ruffin in the Temptations. Oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> nah, but for the Temptations, I feel like you need like all three different types of voices to make the Temptations a sound. Yes. You know, you need the soprano, you need the baritone, and you need the tenor. In them. You yes. need that. So it's not just you, Eddie, or David. Well, this is the thing, is that so around this time, um, they clearly lead into Diana being the star. Yeah. And they rename the band mm-hmm. from the Supremes to first of all the supremes with diana ross yeah which is um, tacky which is very tacky yeah (laughs) and it's funny because barry being the business guy he's like no no because obviously the girls weren't happy about that right he's like no you don't get it because if we do diana like the supremes with diana ross we can build for diana the singer and for the band so you can make more money (laughs) if you're doing it as both things and we're providing both of those things they're just kind of like okay, and they kept renaming the band, and eventually settled on Diana Ross and the Supremes. Right, and that's when you know David Ruffin was like, "Why can't it be David Ruffin and the Temptations?" <laughs> and also now with Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, right? Martha and the Vandals. A lot of bands were doing that. Yeah, yeah. well, really, a lot of Barry was doing that <laughs> because, again, you know. It's it's easy to talk shit about somebody that's just about the business when you're talking about art. Yeah. But he clearly was about the business and he knew what he was doing. Straight up. And when he saw that somebody was becoming a star, he was like, their name goes first yeah. because people are going to recognize that name first. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. And um, Diana Ross, like we were saying with the jobs that the three of them chose, like Diana Ross had the drive. She didn't just want to be a singer. She wanted to take it further and bigger mm-hmm. and just establish a legacy for herself. So, you know, her attitude back then especially like in the 60s for a female may have been frowned upon not only by you know her friends that were in the band with her mm-hmm. but also other people that were fans too like ladies don't act like this you know what i'm saying this right. is so this is so modern for us you know what right I'm right so yeah i can see where the hate for diana would come but at the same time she's like being a female berry at this point not only involved with him romantically yeah but really trying to push herself and her legacy yes 
And that's another kind of like, um, I guess, maybe controversy at the time because not only was the rest of the Supremes getting a little jealous of Diana because mm-hmm. she was getting this attention from, well, everybody and mm-hmm. especially Barry, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of Motown artists were really getting jealous because like we said um barry and diana were romantically involved and they and they kind of felt like he was favoring her yeah but i mean you can't deny the voice right you can't deny the songs no and and you can't deny the appeal like you know she's so cute and fun to look at i don't know yeah yeah she's cool to look at and you know her her friendship with barry her friendship with Smokey initially too which gave her like a night a direct avenue to Barry um, really helped her. And then Smokey was writing songs for a lot of people too, including the Jackson five who was, who would come up later and stuff like that. So Barry had Diana and he had Smokey in a way. I feel like he really didn't quote unquote need anybody else. Everybody else just had to be the talent. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it is crazy at this point, how big Motown was Mm -hmm. because I mean, you know what's what's interesting? Like I always heard of Motown, and like you know, I grew up kind of like past this era, mm-hmm. and I knew that it was probably one of the largest black-owned record labels in America. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was one of the largest, if not the largest, black-owned business in America. Yeah. And then I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that makes sense because you think of like a record label back in the day and everything that's involved with that. You got to deal with the distribution. Yeah. You got to deal with the recording. You got to deal with the concerts. You got to deal with getting these vinyls into stores mm-hmm. all over the world. You yeah. have to have a logistics and distribution network that is insane. Yeah. And they were just having hits after hits after hits with so many artists, with so many albums. They were putting out like an album every other day yeah. from somebody. Yeah. It's crazy. They had undeniable talent. And of course, back in those days, they weren't a whole bunch of opportunities, you know, let's say in corporations for young black professionals, you mm-hmm. know? So you had to go with your entertainment. You got to go with the skill that you're given, which is like an undeniable skill. Nobody's going to deny the temptation singing rights. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a feeling. That's how they like affect you emotionally. There's no way you're going to be like, I don't feel that. I don't like it. He's out of here. There's no way. The only way you could feel that is if you walked out of the room. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> if you turn the dial down, <laughs> that's the only possible way. Yeah. Um, we should also mention that they actually did collab albums, mm-hmm. the the um, the Supremes and the Temptations around mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Um, they have really awesome videos from like talk shows um, where they were like singing each other's songs. Have you seen these? Yes. Yeah, I'll put up, I'll try to put a little clip without getting us copyrighted, but um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. And this is just, I mean, again, we could talk about Motown forever, but this is such a golden age of Motown. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Supremes just nonstop hits. Yeah. Mary Wells describes these as the best days of her life, you know? Yeah. It's really, yeah. yeah it's Shout great. out to Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but around this time, things are, with the personal relationships in the band, going a little bit sour. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the rest of the girls weren't completely happy with the fact that Diana was getting top billing now when they were always in it together. Mm-hmm. And again, they started off switching lead vocals. So that is a really big change. Just be like... You know she's the lead, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a huge change. Um, And for Florence, who was the first one to pretty much start the group and who actually chose the name, Mm -hmm. she would 
naturally and automatically think that she was going to go straight to the top or be pushed to the top, even being billed by the neighborhood and, you know, um, people that were in a smaller demographic, she was billed as the best singer. So I could see where she would naturally in her mind think that she would be pushed ahead, like, you know what I mean? But, you know, just like any job, when you get on the job, you want to try, if you want to try to get to the top, you're going to try to do certain things to get to the top, not necessarily sleep with a boss. Not sleep with the boss, but you want to know if you, the boss has anything that he needs done or whatever. So you're getting to know everybody in the corporation. So Flo, Flores wasn't necessarily like that. You know what yeah. I mean? She just knew she could sing and that she had it. And if she was called the best singer, then why not put her to the front? But she and Barry started button heads because of this. Florence started putting on a little bit of weight. And I don't know if anybody knows this. Barry doesn't really like to be challenged by his artists. <laughs> He really, really didn't like that. He didn't like it. I at never all. would have guessed that. So Florence would do things like, you know, show up maybe a little bit tipsy. Um, if she was if he complained about her weight and they were about to go on stage, she would stick her belly out really fat and then <laughs> sing with that. Like, I'm just gonna say bad move, Florence. Like don't don't do that. Yeah. You know, but a lot of things that happened, um, while they were waiting to gain their um top single success. Florence, unfortunately, had been raped at that time, and she had been raped by somebody who was really um, a star. I don't want to name any names. He was an NBA professional, Mm -hmm. and apparently this person was crazy. He was, like, pulling guns on his own teammates and pulling guns on people in the neighborhood. He had a short life. He died at 30. He was shot for, you know, living the way he lived Mm -hmm. and stuff, but Flo never really got over that. Even with practice and stuff, they said she stayed in her house for about a month. It was hard for them to get her out the house, and back in those times, for poor people there wasn't really any counseling for things like that so she self-medicated with the drinking and stuff and then that translated into her professional life which is terrible yeah so florence was dealing with a lot of demons um and all these things kind of like you know they built up and now all these things that we're talking about and now they have the pressure of being a superstar right um you know because it's not just all fun and games to be like you know big famous musician like you have to be here at this time Mm -hmm. you got to be on the flight you got to be ready to go you got to be ready to play every show like it's the only show every single night it's not just like oh i'm just gonna get up and sing when i want Mm -hmm. it's not that easy nope you gotta talk to the press you gotta schmooze after the show those things too yeah so all of that you know she starts like you said self-medicating with drinking and it gets to the point where you know she's missing rehearsals Mm -hmm. she's showing up late she's doing all this shit and at one point she shows up late for a show and barry's is basically like you're fucking done Mm -hmm. and that was it she was out of the supremes that was it and i know that had to be a real shock and blow to her especially like in those times where you don't really know the professional world that well and you're just like probably still in shock like five years later like how could they get rid of me and again i mean they were so young when they started this that Mm -hmm. i mean what at this point they're probably like 10 years in but they're only like 23 24 years old Mm -hmm. like it's not like they've had like a lot of experience in in like you said like in the professional world or anything like that so they're all young people trying to figure this out as they go yeah um and it's really you know the story of florence is really really sad um you know she drops out well she doesn't drop out she gets kicked out of the band Mm -hmm. And, you know, she still makes some music, but she she never really recovered. No. And she died pretty young. She did die pretty young. And I guess we're going to go year by year because she does um, bring a lawsuit up against um, Motown. Eight million bucks. That's it? <laughs> how much money? Honestly, though, like, I, I did say that as a joke. But it's like, how much money you think Motown made off the Supreme's name mm-hmm. during even just those, like, three years? Exactly. And I also want to say, by this time, still, no one has tried Mark the name the Supremes. 
So we could start a band called The Supremes. Not, not anymore. <laughs> but in the eighties, in the eighties, we could have. That's wild. Yeah. So again, I just want to say real quick how insane it was the amount of music they were pumping out. They put out like ten albums within two or three years. <laughs> like it's just absolutely crazy the assembly line that Motown was. And yeah. that's why again I don't want to go too into it because we'll do a Mo- Motown podcast at some point. Yeah. But it's absolutely crazy. So you know they've already put out so it's like as soon as Barry sees something he's like, do it, do it, do it. So they're just putting out albums and they're not stopping just because Florence is out. Right. Um, she was replaced by somebody named Sid. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Cindy Bird song. Tweet, 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 tweet. And I just, I feel obvious that's probably stage name, but I just want to say that that's a great name. It is. They singer. asked her on stage, though. I hear, I heard a, a voiceover, and uh, Diana asked, actually asks her, "Is that your name?" And she's like, "Well, of course it is. What else? Yeah." So I don't know for sure, but it does sound like a stage name. It honestly it. sounds like it was like you were born just to sing pretty songs. Should have been Melody Bird song. Maybe that's Ooh. her sister. <laughs> <laughs> that is a nice ring to it. But um, yeah. So. They replace Florence, and they're just still dropping hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. still making number ones. Oh yeah, I mean, there's so many good ones. Um, my favorite one from the Supremes is Reflections. Reflections of the way life used to be. I like mm. that one. Yeah, only because it was on a TV show, and that was the first time I heard it when I was a kid, and I was just like, "Who is it?" My mom was like, "This is the Supremes," and at that time, I was like a kid, and yeah. I was like, "I was like, I thought I heard all the Supreme songs." <laughs> <laughs> is that crazy? Yeah. But yeah. Um, so they're making the hits. So at this point, also, Holland Dozier, Holland leaves Motown mm-hmm. um, to do their own thing. How dare they? So they had 10 number ones with them, yeah. but they still had two number ones after them. Yes. So it's clear that they weren't the only reason they were successful. Because right. I want to you know say that, because it's like we were saying they, they got super successful when they started writing a song with them, but they clearly had the talent and the skill to be successful regardless. Yeah. Um, it just they really helped to bring it out yeah because again with them they're not only the songwriters but they're also the production team mm-hmm. so they can kind of you know help to get the best and the most out of the artists that they're working with yeah 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 because they start formulating the songs and making them for Diana to sing and for the backup to sound the way that they do you know that's why they're so different from the Temptations uh, David and Eddie that's why <laughs> okay. yeah so they put out you know more big songs like Love, Love Child is another big song from them during this time Um, but also around this time, Diana, Diane, mm-hmm. whichever you prefer. <laughs> Lady, Miss Ross. Miss Ross. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, this has been great. And I love I love the girls, but I think I'm going to go solo now. Yeah. yeah which, yeah. to the surprise of absolutely nobody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how the music business goes. You put somebody out in the front in the lead, they're going to get solo contracts yeah that's just how it is but again we're talking about motown here uh-huh. we're not talking about some little hometown label okay we're talking about hitsville that's not gonna stop just because diane is doing her own thing right. she's gonna stay in motown they're gonna keep making the diana money <laughs> and they're gonna bring somebody else to carry on the supremes yeah. and that ended up being jean terrell yeah which i think was i'm just gonna call it an interesting move but uh barry goes with um uh with his uh, manager, Dan, do you have something to tell us? He goes down there to Florida with his manager, Shelly Berger. Um, hello? I don't know anyone whose last name is Berger. Uh, well, anyway. It sounds like a joke. It's, what a terrible name. <laughs> 
Go on, though. Where Dan and Shelly, <laughs> no relation, go down to Florida, and then they hear this woman, Jean Terrell, sing. And in Miami. In, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and they like her, so, you know, they want to put her on. And there was kind of a buzz as to who was going to replace Diana. Some people were saying Sarita Wright, who yeah. is another uh, protege of Motown, um, became the wife of Stevie Wonder. Check out our Sarita Wright reaction. We did a song by her. And um, so people were saying no. I don't know what the deal was with that, but Sarita ended up not being the lead. Jean was taken as the lead. And this was strange because Jean was totally different from Diana mm-hmm. Ross, and she was different from The Supreme. She had mm-hmm. a low afro. She dressed really modest. She, didn't, she wasn't in the... The hyper femme glam. She, she right. wore minimal makeup. And when she got there to Motown, she made it known that she wasn't going to be a puppet. She had her own voice and she mm-hmm. wanted to make her own choices as to what she was going to sing and how she was going to let her style be marketed. I want to say that's a bad move for Motown. For Motown. <laughs> Bad move. Yeah, Motown, like we are saying, it's you got to do this. You can't be over here or over here. You got to be right in this Barry Gordy lane. Correct. But again, you know, we could talk about Motown all day. Um, but they keep going. Yeah. They're not going to stop. And they're still successful. I don't know if they, I don't believe they had any more number ones. No. After and, that. Yeah. And it, what's crazy is like Mary writes a book, right? And she says in her book, one day it was early in the morning. She hated that Barry would call before sunup to discuss very important business matters. That is such a, that is such a like business guy move. It is. You sleep. It's almost noon, and it's like 7.30. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's almost 6 a.m. What are you doing in bed? <laughs> so he calls her one day, and he's like, I don't like Jean. So she said she sat about a bed and was like, hell no, Jean stays. And Barry was like, all right. He stayed quiet, and he was like, well, then I washed my hands of the group. Mm. So that was the move there. It's not like they weren't still on Motown, but Barry wasn't going to be in the group with somebody who was, like, combating him. Right. You know? So that was kind of like the beginning of a leveling out slash decline for the Supremes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was this is the thing that's really interesting. You know, a lot of bands, there'd be like a quick fizzle out. Mm-hmm. That is not what happened at all. No. They kept going for a long time. They kept going for years yeah. after Diana left. Yeah. I feel like Mary was relentless. She didn't want them to destroy the Supremes. She kind of says that in her book. Um, I feel like Mary should have gone ahead and take the lead. If the beginning of the group, the problem with putting Diana Ross in the lead was because all three of the girls sang lead, Mm -hmm. then why couldn't Mary just step to the front? Because she's the face that's really known, right? Not Cindy and not Jean. And it's like the audience feels like that. No matter how good your new singer is, it's like we don't know her really. So how could you really sell them like that? I don't know. I do wonder about that. I just wonder about like her mindset at the time because she also was saying it's like once Florence left, she was like nothing was the same. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't mess with the chemistry of the original members and expect it to be the same. So maybe she was just kind of like almost apathetic at this time. Yeah. I'm just like whatever. I'm getting a paycheck. Like I'm I'm still living my dream. I'm still singing for a living. Like right. whatever. It's not perfect. It's not exactly what I want to do. But I am curious like what her mindset was at this time because yeah. she had been there 
I mean, Mary was a supreme longer, way longer than anybody else, mm-hmm. including Diana, obviously. Yeah. Before and after Diana, she was always there. So it's like, yeah, I really do wonder like what she was really thinking about all this at the time as it was going on. Yeah, I think it's like a, a lot of youth and naivete at the same time because she said that like when Florence left, that's when she realized that there wasn't all good in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that business came before personal things. And I think at that time, because they were so young, they saw the whole of Motown as a family. Mary, that's a hard lesson. Ba- Barry was just like an asshole dad. He yeah. wouldn't get rid of his kids. But, but he would did. He? Yeah, but yeah. he did. Like, you know, and I think that was a, a snap for Mary. And she, like we said, she got a job at a record store as an employee. So she maybe had the mindset of an employee right. in a way like, let me just not make too many waves. I'll keep my nose down. Like, yeah. you know, keep my head down and my nose clean. That's what it is. Right? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so maybe she did one of those. But I honestly feel like either she should have been lead or Sarita should have taken the job because Sarita was a Motown person mm-hmm. and had already been on the backup and all that stuff like that. So they could have easily catapulted her to stardom as well. Like, what yeah. would have happened if Sarita had joined the Supremes? Hmm. Who knows? It could have been great. You it know, It could have been great. It could, a lot of things could have been different. Yeah. Um, but talking about Sarita, it made me think of um, Stevie. Um, that they, during the no-hit Supremes era, people really started losing confidence in them when Stevie wrote them a song. And that couldn't even be a hit. Correct. Because all Stevie does is make hits. All he does And is he couldn't that. even make a hit for them. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that because I forgot to say that before. Oh, yeah. But, like, that is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Stevie was pissed, too. I think he did a whole album at one point with them. Not just a single. The single didn't do well, and then he did an album years later. And that even didn't that. do well. And he was like, what the F? Like, <laughs> I'm Stevie Wonder. Why can't you just do the hand claps on my <laughs> on my next album? <laughs> so, like we said, this was like kind of a slow fizzling out, mm-hmm. um, and they were never able to get another number one hit. No, after Diana left, and Jean Terrell was really upset about that. Yeah, and she left yeah. the group just because of that. Cause she was she was like she felt like that they weren't really able to get where they used to be and it clearly wasn't happening with her being there in that group yeah and in between the time she leaves there's so much going on there's the song up the ladder of success that does well with the album that it's attached to but the album itself doesn't do that well and then they have the next song called stone love Love. which does okay but um i think mary wanted to promote it more as a single to promote the album but it ended up having the same fate where the album didn't do too well and at this point mary's managing the group too Mm -hmm. and like so many business decisions are being made jeans in the hospital people want to have babies like you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying you know these are now becoming their good years so they're like (laughs) (laughs) i gotta get on this really quick so yeah you have a lot of that upheaval and chart dropping and production changing and people just trying to figure out what's going on i want to interject this though they were at their the copa which was huge that they the had copa done Cabana. uh-huh they did it with the the first lineup of the supremes with diana now, yeah, yeah with diana and now the second lineup was doing it opening night was great and in their second night when they're about to go on stage the the promoter the announcer is like ladies and gentlemen please give you a round of applause for diana ross and she's in the audience so diana (laughs) oh no oh that's that hurts my heart so diana checked into the hotel the night before under an assumed name yeah and checked in 
shows up for their second night, didn't tell anybody. They didn't know that she was at the show until they made the announcement that she was there in the crowd, but they had a good night. And Diana didn't even come like backstage or speak to them after the show. I don't know. She just wanted to know that she was there. That, I I hate that. (laughs) But it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, Um, at least she didn't go opening night. Yeah, that's that's nice of her, I guess. (laughs) That was nice. But yeah, so Jean left. Um, she was replaced by Sherry Payne. Uh-huh. They at this point we're getting into like the mid seventies, so they're really starting to get into like disco because of course it's the seventies. But you do you're trying to make a pop hit, you make yeah. some disco songs. Yeah. But they clearly were not able to recapture the magic of the original three. And, yeah. Well, there wasn't an original three because it was four and blah blah blah. But the original three being the mainstay, the hit Mary makers. Wilson, Florence Ballard, and Diana Ross. Yeah, and they kind of couldn't fight the machine because this was all kind of like AM radio back mm. in their heydays. So now everything's switching to FM, and what's happening on the FM stations is a lot of rock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of hard rock, and that's selling really well. And uh, there's no real avenue for quote unquote black music. Black music is turning into either like heavy R&B, maybe like an Isaac Hayes. And stuff like that mm-hmm. or it's going into disco you know right. and that's not necessarily where the supremes are going you know changing right over into disco you know so that that became them against the machine too and and then they just had different changeovers with linda Susie green and sherry Payne. i believe yeah, yeah sherry Payne. Yeah, yeah yeah they 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 had different changeovers and then it was just changeover after changeover until gene left linda Gene and Linda tried to convince Mary to leave Motown to start shopping another label. But Barry, of course, still had a hand in this. So Barry comes to Mary and he's like, oh, I want to give you away at your wedding. Like he's just making sure that she doesn't (laughs) leave Motown and try to shop a new label. Mary didn't want to go. The other ladies decided to leave. And then some of those other ladies end up forming another group, the former ladies of the Supremes, the Flows, and they end up doing really well. Yeah. Mary's there still at Motown. And then after she decides that it's time for her to leave as well and i want to say in 1976 they put out their 29th and final album wow so we're talking about they first got big in 64 this is 76 so this is 12 years later Mm -hmm. and they had 29 albums yeah so that is insane yeah that is absolutely insane i just wanted to say that because that that, those numbers almost don't even make sense it's like you're putting out an album like what like every other month yeah every month sometimes yeah and one year i think in 65 they put out four or five albums just in that year that's insane that's a lot i mean a, a lot of different changes at the, at the record label itself and then a lot of outspokenness like um gene wasn't the only outspoken person i mm-hmm. believe linda was very outspoken too and letting barry know that she's not gonna be like a little tweety bird or you know just following along and that is like we said it's not really the motown formula so it works against you you know what i'm saying because you got to deal with the production team who answers to barry you got to deal with the management team they answer to barry and it they, all goes back to barry right and they want their jobs at the end of the day right yeah. they i mean like we said there's not a lot of opportunity and stuff like that so you're act uh, you're an executive at a record label why screw that up from mary yeah. wells no i'm just kidding for mary wilson <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it is funny so you mentioned the former ladies of the supreme so it's just funny to me because at the end there were so many lineup changes that it's like they it was almost the former ladies of the supreme almost became like interchangeable it's like okay well who wants to come on this tour who wants to come on this tour yeah you know what i mean and they were doing that for a long time yes yeah, so singing the supreme songs like mm-hmm. even the ones with diana mm-hmm. yeah 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 
So. And meanwhile, Diana's doing her own thing. She's doing okay. I don't think she really was worried about anything that was going on with No, she's got movie deals. She's got ladies, sings the blues. She's yeah. got the whiz. She's got it all. She's got her records, and she's just doing amazing even to this day. I mean, she became, well, besides Michael Jackson, I mean, maybe Motown's biggest star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a Marvin Gaye, huge star. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are huge stars. But yeah. I mean, she not only was a musician, like you were saying, she was in movies. Yep. She was just a celebrity of celebrities. It Absolutely. was not even just music with her anymore. She yeah. just became a household name. A household name. And even she was able to make the changeover into disco, too. Mm-hmm. I think because of her, like, because she was a solo artist and because her voice was so poppy that she could do that. You know what I'm saying? Go yeah. from, like, pop to disco, which is the next trend. And it's crazy that the Supremes disbanded in 1977, which we think is, like, the end of an era or the beginning of an era or sometimes even the greatest year right. in, like, some different types of music. I mean, Elvis died that year. You know what I'm saying? It's a changing of the guard yeah, type of is. year. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I would say so, too. Punk music was becoming a new thing and stuff. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you had to pick a year for the Supremes to uh, disband and to be no more, I would say 1977 is a good year. Yeah, as good a year as any. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1988. Yep. They had 33 top 40 singles. They had 12 number ones. It's like, even though, obviously, like we said, there was a long kind of fizzle out from their peak, nobody could take away what they accomplished. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like we said at the beginning, they're still the best-selling all-female group ever. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? And... Yeah, like we were saying, Diana, she she became even more famous um, for all those things. Um, she became famous for um, setting the career template for Beyonce. Yeah, I would say <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah. And she's still here to this day, and she has established her legacy, right? Her daughters in Absolutely. TV shows, her sons in movies now, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, there you go. Call her Miss Ross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just, I don't know. The Supremes are just so legendary. And like we were saying, it's like, there's songs that I've heard so many times in my life that I didn't even realize all of these songs were them. <laughs> and these songs are just so good that it's like, yeah. I feel like some of these songs, like, you know, the original, like, Where Did Our Love Go, Baby Love, you know, those kinds of songs, Stop in the Name of Love, like the real, the hard hitters from the beginning. Yeah. I feel like you could hear that song once mm-hmm. and never forget it the rest of your life. It's so true. You know, just, it's so catchy. The hooks are just so great. Everything about it is just such an earworm. It's like, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's yeah. just amazing. Beautifully sounded songs. And then shout out to some of the remakes. I forgot who sings that old school Tainted Love. But at the end of Tainted Love. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. yeah and he sings some, Where Did Our Love Go at the end of that. Yes. Yeah, um, another remake, um, You Keep Me Hanging On was another big song from them. Yeah. And that I was one of the few songs I think the cover, there might be a cover better than the original. Yeah. Because the Vanilla Fudge version of that song is insane. Yeah, but whatever. I mean, both of the versions are great, but they're so different. Yeah, so different. But the remakes can stand like on their own, like Mm -hmm. you're saying Vanilla Fudge. And then Phil Collins did Can't Hurry Love. That's beautiful too. Like mm-hmm. you would, you would never think like a guy could sing it just like a girl. It could sound just as great. But I love the Phil Collins version right. just as much. And that's just a testament to how, again, how good these songs are. Right. That you know you can plug in these different elements, and you can take people in, you can take people out. But the song itself, like the piece of art that is the song, 
is just timeless. And like I said before, like there's no such thing as a perfect song because mm-hmm. music is a, you know, you can't say this is good, this is bad necessarily. It's up to the individual. But some of these songs are just as close to perfect as you could ever have a song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like some little money moves. So Mary ends up trademarking the name for the Supremes. Good for her. In the 80s because nobody had by that time and nobody contested it. You know, you have to wait a little while yeah. when you send the application to the patent office and you have to wait. And even when, because they call people, they're like, okay, we know you're associated with this name. Do you own it? Barry didn't contest it. Yeah. That is is kind of crazy that he didn't. I don't know. Maybe he was just like, all right, just take it. Yeah, I'm tired. get it out of my face. Exactly. (laughs) I've done enough. Because he had already contracted all these women that were joining the groups and these changes of guards. He wasn't contracting them with the Supremes. Mary even technically wasn't a Supreme. She had to put in her new contract that she's a Supreme for life. Right. He was contracting them as solo artists so he can like, you know, keep kind of making the money. put them wherever they need to be. Yes. And they couldn't claim the name and the group after a while, you know, like squatters. No, I'm just kidding. And also, Florence had already passed by that time, so yeah. she may she may have contested if she was around, but obviously there were, there was no opportunity for that. Yeah, she did sue for eight million dollars. She lost that lawsuit. You know, I mean, she was fighting a machine as well. You mm-hmm. know, so she she didn't end up making out good on that really at all. And then you know her her demons pretty much took over, and she died a young death as yeah. well. Um. So yeah, I mean. It's a long story. Like the all the things that came together to make this group happen, like the ups and downs that they went through is insane. And they've left a legacy that will live forever. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching this, I assume you already know a lot of their music. Yeah. But if you don't, you need to go back and listen. Whatever song comes up when you hear... If you type into whatever search engine yeah. and you type in The Supremes, whatever the first song is, I guarantee you know it. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Like, actually, like I'm not even being like dramatic. I guarantee whatever comes up first in your search engine, you will have heard that hook before. There is no question in my mind. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So shout out to to all the former ladies of the Supreme. Absolutely, shout <laughs> including out, including Diana. Uh huh. <laughs> or uh-huh. Diane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, I guess that's about it. Unless we have you have anything else you want to put on in this? No, I mean I just adore the Supremes. I love their music even to this day. I don't think that. Um, I think that I I love the fact that people don't break records from people generations ago, Mm. you know, and I I think that's cool. I would love to break a record from somebody (laughs) generations ago. I would love to be the record breaker. But when you see stuff like that from so long ago, you can kind of argue that they just don't make them like they used to, you know? Yeah. So that's a good testament. And, you know, Diana Ross is still here, still kicking up dust, you know, with us. And rest in peace to Mary Wilson, who just died in 2021. And rest in peace to Florence Ballard, who died early on. I think it was 73. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening to, listening to us talk about the Supremes. And go listen to the Supremes right when we're done. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Again, thanks for being here. If you want to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash musicmaniac so we can keep doing this and keep making more episodes for you. But until then, we're Side After Dark, and we'll see you soon. Peace. I give anything.